Hi and welcome to my podcast Pregnant in Japan, your podcast about pregnancy, birth and the joy of a relaxed motherhood in Japan. My name is Vicky, I'm a German mom living in Tokyo. I'm sharing my positive birth experience to inspire you with yours. Today we have Amy. She is originally from Canada but lives now with her family in Sapporo and she gave birth last year to her daughter in Sapporo and we're gonna um, get to know Amy today more and about her birth story in Sapporo. <laughs> Hi Amy, welcome to the Pregnant in Japan podcast. Hi, thank you for <laughs> inviting me to participate. Thank you for your time. <laughs> Um, Amy, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I know you have uh, a little bit longer, uh, let's say a little bit longer history with Japan. You didn't just came last year. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So this is actually my second time living in Japan. Uh, the first time was in a totally different prefecture in Ehimeken in Shikoku. I was living in Matsuyama and I lived there for two years, then moved back home to Toronto and I met my husband there. We got married in Canada and then I wanted to live in Japan again and we moved here to Sapporo in summer 2019. He's from Hokkaido so we moved here to be closer to his family. Wonderful. Okay, so I guess uh, you already speak some Japanese, right? Yes, I should mention <laughs> too, my family is Japanese-Canadian, so I'm fourth generation half Japanese, so I've always had an interest in Japan and Japanese culture, and I studied Japanese language a bit as a child, but I didn't seriously study again until I moved to Japan the first time. So when I came back here, my Japanese was and still is at intermediate level. Okay. Um, okay, when you said you learn it, uh, I have to add my unconventional questions. Um, oh. I'm going to ask the, this unconventional question is going to be about um, learning Japanese. So what do you think, even you have some Japanese background, what is like something complicated or what you found in particular difficult about Japanese language? I think it's the answer that many Japanese learners will say, which is kanji. I really love kanji, but it's very difficult. <laughs> it's very difficult to learn the multiple readings for each kanji. And then even if you have a grasp of reading it, writing it is really difficult as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't started it. I'm still with hiragana and katagana. <laughs> um, I think living in Japan, you'll, you'll learn by seeing the same ones over yeah, and over. Yeah, well, some signs you see uh, all the time, like exit or... Yeah. Um, I don't know, some others, then these you know by chance <laughs> after a while. <laughs> okay, and since you are from Canada, and um, what's something that you miss about Canada? What's something? Well, definitely <laughs> the thing I miss most is my family, of course. Um, but recently I've been thinking, as we're in the height of summer now, I really miss patio season, like having a nice lunch or dinner on a patio with drink outside. I really miss that because, as you know, Japan doesn't have so much of a patio culture. No, yes, true. I miss that too. <laughs> okay, um, Amy, let's dive into the topic. Were you already pregnant when you came to Japan? Um, no, 
We moved in 2019 and we had an idea of having a baby in 2020, um, but I wasn't pregnant already okay. when we moved here. Okay. And we did end up getting what we wanted, giving birth in 2020. But it was already kind of uh, planned uh, that you will have a baby. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I should say that I came here having researched and thought about giving birth in Japan before doing it. That was in my mind already. Yes. Okay. And I know from when we talked before, um, you also had in mind uh, the epidurals, right? Because there's a, in, in Canada, I think, like uh, in a lot of Western countries, um, um, women would use epidurals much more than Japan, right? Yes. Um, well, I was considering it still, When we, when I found out I was pregnant, I was still kind of considering it, but I feel like in my heart, I knew I was going to try for a natural unmedicated birth. And I knew that Japan doesn't have a high epidural rate. So in a way I had made that decision already before even moving back here. But yeah, I was just considering it a bit at the beginning of pregnancy because in Canada, Most of my friends and family did get an epidural done. It's almost like a given. Mm -hmm. And the last that I researched online is that Canada's epidural rate is 60% and Japan's is only 5%. So, yeah, that was something to consider. Wow. And when you say you kind of knew it in your heart that you didn't want to have an epidural, it was just... <laughs> um, in well, you... Years and years ago, I had envisioned a home birth, and I'm still interested in home birth. Um, but I felt capable of having an unmedicated natural birth. And yeah, I talked to some Japanese moms who were living in Toronto, so I had some idea about it. And I just generally feel that the body is capable of it, so I'd don't want an intervention if it's not totally necessary. Right, good. And when you were in um, Sapporo, so you weren't necessarily looking for a hospital who offers uh, epidurals, right? Or what was in general important for you when you um, looked for a facility in Sapporo? Um, well, the gynecologist I saw before becoming pregnant I had talked about epidurals with her and she said that there was a hospital close by my neighborhood that offers them, um, but that the hospital I ended up giving birth at had better hospitality. And she used to work at that one. So I ended up going there. Um, and also I should say, I think on your previous episodes, it's been talked about, but epidurals are only offered in some hospitals in Japan. And even then it's finite amounts. So at the hospital that I ended up giving birth at, I was told in March that all the epidural bookings were already fully booked for a November due date. So yeah, it's something you have to consider at the outset of pregnancy in Japan. Right. Um, but to answer your question, the things I looked for, um, were English-speaking doctors, good facilities, 
and just a good reputation of the hospital. And the one I ended up giving birth at was the Sapporo Maternity Women's Hospital. And it was recommended by a friend of my husband's, who's our neighbor. And then since then, I've learned that it's a popular hospital for international families to give birth at. And um, so your friend who recommended it, she also gave birth there, I assume? Yes, she's yeah. Japanese. She gave birth there. And then during pregnancy, I met another um, international family. And that friend of mine ended up giving birth one month before me. Okay. And since then, I've met a few other women who gave birth there. And everyone seemed to have quite a positive experience there. And you did too. Yes, I had a great birth experience. Okay. <laughs> Could you tell us more uh, about the checkups at this hospital? Yeah, so at each checkup, the standard procedure is to check in at the uketsuke, the reception desk, and you give them your boshitecho, which is the maternal and infant health handbook. Um, I had a bilingual one, which was great. I love my boshitecho. And then you leave a urine sample and you check your weight and blood pressure yourself before waiting for your appointment. And at most appointment, I think actually at all of my appointments, there is an ultrasound. And one thing that's unique in Japan is that a lot of the ultrasounds are transvaginal, meaning it's an internal ultrasound as opposed to transabdominal, which is just on top of the belly, which is, I think, more standard in Canada. Um, but actually, I was happy to have so many ultrasounds because it's reassuring to see the baby, hear the heartbeat, and get printouts of the ultrasound pictures at every appointment. That was a really nice plus. Yes. Did you make a little book out of uh, ultrasounds? <laughs> oh, yeah. I made a little album from yeah. a free photo album from a Japanese magazine here. Uh, so far to um, to all the girls I spoke or in new moms from other countries, uh, every mom was surprised about the um, amount of ultrasounds in Japan. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, one hospital, my sister's hospital, she they were going to charge money for the ultrasound printout photos, which... In Canada. Yeah. yeah, that's not everywhere. That was just in that case. Oh, okay, yeah. But she could take a picture of the screen. Yeah. But yeah, it's nice to have the printouts. Right. Okay, so the, uh, we learned about the checkups. And was there a possibility to uh, hand in a birth plan? Um, could you discuss with them? Yes, um, I had already started writing my own birth plan, making a bilingual birth plan um, based off a template that my sister gave me from her hospital in Toronto. Um, but my hospital did have a template. They gave us a sheet of paper with, I think, four to six questions, which we could fill out. Um, so yeah, making a birth plan, I think, was really good for myself to think through what my preferences are. Obviously, You can't be married to the birth plan. Anything can happen. But just to think about it clearly and to have a bilingual one, I think, was reassuring for them, too. Mm -hmm. So they can look at it and understand everything. And the birth plan, I ended up revising a couple times. And towards the end of my third trimester, I condensed it to one page. 
um, thinking that you never know which doctor is going to deliver your baby and it's easier if they have the birth plan just to read over one page. Mm, that's smart. If it's their first okay. time seeing it. So you just um, uh, reduced it to the essential, right? <laughs> yeah. I think, as you know, I can, I can write so much and it tends to be long-winded. So yeah, I thought just condensing to one page is, okay. is good. And what I wrote, my doctor had said, it's what most women want. Like as few interventions as possible, no episiotomy, if possible, things like that. Did you feel hurt about uh, your birth plan? Or yes, I had a great doctor. She was very patient with me. Um, She was known for being very, very kind and patient with her patients, which caused the appointments to go late often, but she was wonderful. And I feel, yeah, she really took time with me and she advocated for me before labor and during. Wow, I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> I have to yeah, admit, she, uh, now... Um, I don't want to mention her name because actually she's not at that hospital anymore. So, oh, okay. so I hope any women listening to this can get a great doctor that they have a good rapport with. I was really grateful for her. Yeah, so it's so important, right? Uh, And I'm also just, um, sorry, backing up a bit about English speaking doctors. Uh, someone said to me once before, and I think it's true, like even if uh, the doctors don't seem so confident communicating in English, If they're going through medical school in Japan, they know some base level of English. So I don't think people have to stress so much about finding someone who's super confident in English. Mm. That's what It I helped. noticed too. Um, not necessarily just uh, regarding childbirth, but in general, I had the impression that most doctors understood what I said, but they weren't confident about talk uh, when, when it comes yeah. to talking. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's true. Yeah. They can understand, but maybe it's a confidence thing. So you had this English-speaking, very nice doctor, and but to the staff, uh, let's say to the midwives or maybe some backup um, doctors, would you speak in Japanese or in English? I would always do a mix of both, and I really tried to always bring a pen and paper and um, look up relevant kanji terms to what we'd be talking about like so it's useful to have some paper or something with the word mutsubunben which is epidural or like different medical terms that you can point to and then you can both understand immediately you can do this of course with your cell phone but yeah i would always try to use both english and japanese okay so that worked out very good for you i'm glad <laughs> Uh, may I ask how, because you said um, it was already in the back of your head about pregnancy in Japan, um, how you prepared or did you prepare or how did you prepare for giving birth? Yes, I've been thinking about birth for years. Um, I've been interested in birth culture for a long time. Um, and I prepared uh, by reading several books by trying to gather anecdotal evidence too from uh, Japanese mothers who gave birth in Japan and Canada, my friends. I always want to hear people's birth stories. Um, two books I'd like to mention are Ina May's Guide to Childbirth. She's Ina May Gaskin, the grandmother of modern midwifery and Childbirth Without Fear, which is 
like a precursor to that book. I really loved those two books, which I read while in Japan, while pregnant. Right. And they both uh, really encourage unmedicated birth and they uh, explain clearly what happens to the body during birth. And uh, about, you said you also talked or um, read about our Japanese moms giving birth in Japan. Is that correct? Yeah, Or that's foreigners? I, um, both. Um, that's how I heard about how long the stay is in Japan. The typical stay is five days, which is another huge difference between birth in North America and Japan. Um, yeah, and other, some other... Information about foreign mothers giving birth in Japan, though, as you know, it's hard to find. So I did look online and YouTube, and, but the information is scarce. Yeah, so I, I mean, I sometimes think it's uh, hard to select what you read and to whom you talk, because yes. um, I personally think mm, if you talk too much to people who have um, a quite hard birth story, um, there's fear that can arise. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, I should also say, like, even though I, I love hearing people's birth stories, I always just try to take it with a grain of salt because you never know how your own birth experience is going to be. And especially thinking about the niche group of foreigners giving birth in Japan, the type of women that are going to write about it online, maybe they mostly had positive birth experiences. So it's going to be biased information. Right. Uh, yeah, it's not easy huh? <laughs> to make a selection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I did try to take inspiration from positive birth stories and try to focus on that. Yeah, that's... Uh, I. I, I also think it's so important to um, to stay positive and not uh, to go in the tension fear cycle. Um, yes, yeah. you know about the cycle, right? Yes, <laughs> it's uh, actually a cycle when when you have fear, you're gonna have tension, and uh, then you're gonna have even more fear, and uh, it's like a negative cycle. Yes, I totally agree. Trying to think positive. And do mental preparation was a huge part of oh, my preparation. What, what, what is this? Uh, how did it look like, the mental preparation? Was it like affirmations or uh, visualization? My two favorites. <laughs> hypnobirthing YouTube videos. Uh, and I attended two prenatal classes at the hospital. And in Japan, they talk about sophrology, which is kind of... Um, mental imaging, positive mental imaging, to try to reduce physical sensations of pain. Um, they had a funny Japanese uh, meditation CD. Yeah, it was amusing. The things that they were <laughs> describing to put you in a good mindset were funny, like being at an amusement park or passing an exam. <laughs> ah, <laughs> funny. In um, Japanese. Yeah. So actually, I found that kind of distracting. That one wasn't so relaxing. Um, but yeah, reading those two books, trying to think about positive birth stories, trying to envision having a good birth experience, um, doing yoga, 
prenatal yoga and things like that. But of course I was, I had anxiety as well. And also it was during the pandemic. So that contributed to some anxiety because the rules at my hospital were changing all the time about if my husband would be allowed with me during labor. Definitely he was not allowed during the five-day stay. That policy never changed. And I'm sure that's the same up until now for many couples. Yes, it is. And I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I was Yeah, so I'm sure. I think all of us are went through something to give birth in a foreign country during the pandemic, during unprecedented times. Yeah. Yeah, I think we are quite brave to to be honest. So too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I uh, I really love how you prepared. I did actually. I think almost all the same things. I'm very grateful that we have so many possibilities to prepare for uh, for a positive childbirth. Um, and uh, I think there are, yeah, like I said, many opportunities. You just have to take the time and um, to prepare, right? <laughs> Not rush into and try it to without. Home. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it is tough. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what I also think, um, I don't know if it's the same for you, Amy, what's important to have in the back of your head. Okay, you wanted, uh, I guess we both wanted it to be unmedicated and natural, but, you know, and stay, of course, be positive about it. Um, but accept also in case there's like an emergency or something goes unplanned um to accept the situation right and not to, yes. to panic too much i mean it's easy said right yes <laughs> totally to have to be adaptable yeah right adaptable sure. that's a good word <laughs> so in general when you look back um how was your pregnancy in pregnancy japan <laughs> was great i loved being pregnant um Yeah, personally, I really enjoyed it. I had morning sickness the first trimester, but that wasn't so bad. Actually, that in Japan is not so bad at all because there's always a pretty clean toilet nearby. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I enjoyed, too, um, taking part in some Japanese customs, like going to a shrine on Inu no Hi, dog day during I think your fifth month of pregnancy is traditional to pray for safe birth and delivery um, and I really like the maternity badges that pregnant women get which uh, mark the wearer as pregnant and allow you to sit on the priority seats in public transit or just to for people to be a bit extra careful around you um, I enjoyed eating Japanese food while pregnant. Yeah, I had a great pregnancy. I was lucky for that. Good. And um, Oh, and I enjoyed onsen too while onsen. pregnant. That's yeah. another cultural difference because I think some women are recommended not even to have hot baths for a long time, but right. I enjoyed going to onsen a couple times while pregnant. Yeah, he, here um, in Japan, there are not many restrictions, right, for pregnant women. <laughs> Yeah, I feel I feel it's a, a bit less, yeah. Yeah. Or that there are more hard rules in North yeah. America or maybe western countries. Also regarding the food, um I 
when I came from Germany, I was three months pregnant and I had all these rules uh, in my head, what my doctor told me back in Germany or what all the, I think all the doctors in Germany say is um, not to eat raw fish, uh, not to eat salad in restaurants um, because you don't know if it's washed. Uh, don't get too close to uh, cats <laughs> because of the poop. Oh, right, because of the kitty litter, right? Yeah. Actually, a lot of Japanese women a generation older than us, some of them were shocked to even hear any rules about fish yeah. consumption during pregnancy. But I'm not sure if that's just um, that the science has changed or that actually the fish populations, like the water has become more polluted. So that's why the rules are stronger now. Mm. But um, in Japan, did, did they tell you not to eat fish? No, just no. I think uh, tuna was the main one, but I did consume other fish. and raw, some I mean raw fish. No, I'm talking raw fish, right? That was allowed. I ate some sashimi during yeah. pregnancy. Yeah. I would like to know more about your uh, <laughs> how your um, contractions started and your labor process. Would you guide us a little bit through your birth story? Okay, I'll, I'll try to not be so long-winded. <laughs> Um, so six days prior to my estimated due date, um, my contractions began at 6 a.m. And I wasn't sure if they were actual contractions, um, but they, they started and continued. Um, it wasn't so painful. They, the pain was tolerable and I wanted to stay home as long as possible before the contractions were becoming closer together. Um, just because from my reading uh, and from hearing from friends and family that if you call the hospital too early or if you go there and it's not time, you could be sent back. So I wanted to just try to relax and stay as calm as possible during the early labor signs. So we stayed at home, I made some birth CDs, We had a sofa delivered during that time, um, just trying to relax at home. I called my mom and sisters, and then my husband was uh, re uh, keeping track of the contraction timing during this time, and he was good about that, so I didn't have to think so much about the timing. And then I think it was at 10.30, we finally called the hospital, and they said to come in. Uh, in the morning, right? Yes, so 6 a.m. start, yes. and then uh, by 10.30, I think by 10.30 we were there. We called at 10. And at the hospital, we checked in, and my husband had to stay in the lobby area, and I was examined, and at that time, I was already five centimeters dilated. Mm. Oh, oh and I should mention <laughs> before, my water broke naturally, just kind of gradually at home. Uh, one other question because you said you took the taxi <laughs> i know here in oh no here. sorry we drove i didn't take the oh. maternity taxi oh okay but does it exist in sapporo too yes um the maternity taxi for those who don't know is a taxi service in japan where you can register your name address and your hospital and it's special taxis that are used to dealing with women in labor um, so I had registered with that service in Sapporo in case my husband 
wasn't with me at that time. So I think it's useful for everyone to register just as a backup. But um, my husband happened to be off that day, which I think my body just knew this is a good day to give birth. So <laughs> let's do it. Um, so he could drive us. And the hospital is only a 25-minute drive away. That's good. Um, okay, so at yeah, 10.30, you were at the hospital. Oh, yes. So then so. we were there. Uh, when we were separated, though, I think my labor did stall a little bit. Like, I felt my stress going up a bit, being separated from him and having to be in the waiting room with women around me. But like, I was in labor secretly, but everyone's just looking at their cell phone in their own world in the waiting room. And then finally, I was examined. Um, I was five centimeters dilated. And he had gone out to get some snacks at a combini because he was going to be allowed to be with me during labor. Um, so we had to call him and say, come back, I'm going straight to the labor and delivery room. So it was nice that it was right away. Okay, so you called him, like maybe after one hour, and he came back. Into probably the... less than that. Probably oh. I was. I only had to wait for a short time before being examined the first time. Um, so he was surprised that I called back and said, okay. "Come back to the hospital right away." Okay, you were already in the labor room, and uh, you were with your husband and. Uh, working through some uh, contractions, right? Yes. And I should mention, um, in the end, he was allowed to be with me. But I think it's it was a combination of them making, having some leeway for me, being a foreigner, because my husband's Japanese, so he could be considered my translator as well. Mm. Um, but I'm really grateful that they made this exception. So... I'm not sure what the rule was for the Japanese women giving birth at that time, but luckily he could be with me. Okay. Um, yeah, so in the labor and delivery room, I changed into the gown, the snap-up gown, and I met the midwife who was going to deliver my baby for the first time ever. I hadn't met her before. I was kind of surprised by that. Was that weird uh, for you? Was it hard? Um... No, she was great too, but, it, uh, and I knew going in, like, you never know who's going to be working at that time, um, but she was great, and then she examined me again, and I think I was still five centimeters around that time, yeah, enduring contractions. Uh, I had requested in my birth plan to be able to move around and change positions during labor, But there were only apparently four tatami rooms in which you can have more like freestyle labor. And they were all booked up that day. So I had to be in a more standard room with the standard um, reclining chair with the stirrups. Um, so they put the fetal heart monitor around my belly and an IV drip was put into my hand. And then from there, we were left alone on and off, my husband and I. Um, yeah, just enduring the contractions, trying to breathe deeply. It, it was tolerable pain. 
at that point. What do you think? What uh, made it tolerable? The um, contractions. What helped you? Like trying to do very slow exhaling, deep breathing. Having my husband there was helpful. Um, yeah, the breathing. But it I was it was painful, but it wasn't as painful as I thought it was going to be. And uh, was the, the breathing, where did you learn the breathing? Because you did, uh, or you, you mentioned a few things, what you did for preparing for birth. Was this some uh, breathing exercise you learned from hypnobirthing or from a book or from? I think everything just mentions deep breathing. Mm. So, um, okay. Yeah, nothing, like nothing in particular. Um, <laughs> no, just reading the same advice over and over about yeah. like slowly exhaling during contractions. Right. And just, yeah, because deep breathing calms your mind as well. Yeah. Just trying to stay relaxed and trying to save my energy for the actual pushing stage. Okay. How much time did pa did it pass when you uh, come to actually the uh, pushing phase? Mm -hmm. Let me look back on my notes. I forget already. Um, <laughs> Because uh, you said you were in the room together with your husband. Yes, Sometimes we were uh, together. Midwife okay. came and checked. Uh, a previous doctor who I'd seen before said, deciding on the doctor who saw me through my pregnancy, she came in just to check up, just to watch how it was going. And then luckily, luckily, my doctor who had seen me all through pregnancy, she came in to oversee. So I was oh. so lucky that she was actually in the hospital that day. But oh, she didn't deliver the baby, but she was there. So I was so happy to see her. Um, And it it was at 12 p.m. So just from coming to the hospital at 10.30 by 12 p.m. And I think a couple more cervical checks, I was told it was time to push already. So it was pretty fast. But so just one hour and a half later? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. you said <clears throat> your first contraction started at 6 a.m. And then pushing phase <coughs> around noon. It makes yes. it six hours, so it's uh, quite um, quick for a first uh, um, labor, right? Yeah, it was incredibly <laughs> fast. And because of that, I wasn't ready. I just was in shock. I, I was like, I don't feel mentally or physically ready. I didn't believe them that it was going to be pushing time. Oh. So that was like a surprise to me. I thought, like, the contractions were becoming quite painful, but... I just didn't feel, I just felt like, oh, it's too soon. <laughs> But your da daughter was ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> it's time. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so before that, one thing that was a bit tough to endure was that um, I couldn't move like at all because they were so kind of strict about the fetal heart rate monitor. Even if I moved on my side, feeling that that would be more comfortable during a contraction, the monitor would beep a bit faster. And then they would tell me, just try to keep your body straight, like symmetrical and just kind of stay still. So that was a bit tough to not be able to move around mm. during the contractions. But I didn't have to endure that stage for so long because right. it was pushing time before I knew it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's. I think it's a little bit uh, pity that, because I personally felt like the moving in different position helped me so much, and um, to go through the contractions, you know, to because I gave birth at the birth center, it was quite. Uh, they actually they let me do everything I wanted. Oh, so, that's great! That's yeah, nice. it was uh, really. A relief that I could just, uh, I wasn't told at any time I can't do that or I can't do an either. So, um, but since uh, that um, stage wasn't too long, um, you could still, uh, it was bearable, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was bearable. Yeah. Um, so then when it was pushing time, um, I think they asked me to do about three a set of three pushes with each contraction. Um, so I had my doctor holding one my hand, my husband holding my other hand, and then the midwife um, trying to kind of pry open my vagina to make room. But uh, my pushing wasn't strong enough, I think because I was still in disbelief that it was time. Yeah. So after a few sessions of that, then uh, my doctor was discussing with the midwife and they said we're considering administering Pitocin through the IV drip. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't want that because I knew it would make the contractions stronger and therefore more painful. So I said, like, let me try a bit more. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, I'm really glad that my doctor advocated for me and she was patient and let me try it longer without the Pitocin. Um, so then after I had the threat of medication, then something switched in my brain and I thought, okay, I really have to try. <laughs> I have to like use full yes. power. And then I really started pushing like with all my force. <laughs> there she is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and during the pushing, they told me to uh, bend my head, look towards my belly button and try to push silently which I had read about and I think you said you'd read about online too I don't know what their reason is for trying to be quiet I think I had read something before about like you don't want to scare the baby I think just like staying calm is better but in reality I couldn't push silently I was not screaming but I was making pushing noises but that was okay for them yeah yeah. So wait, okay, I just want to make it clear. So they actually s suggested you shouldn't make sounds while pushing. Is that right? Yes. <sighs> just like breathing out slowly, pushing and trying to not make noise. I, I don't know the reasoning behind that. Wow. Because for all the preparation um, um, books I read, it was... It, they all say the contrary. They say to make noise and to well, do whatever you want, uh, basically. Hmm. If it's screaming, yeah. singing, dancing. <laughs> yeah, I've read that as well. Or that just like sounds that are like low vibrational, mooing type sounds. Yeah, mooing helps helpful. too. I think I did that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, there's something else I wanted to add. I forget. 
Yeah, you talked oh, about I just wanted to add, I'm so glad they weren't strict about wearing a mask either. I wasn't wearing a mask during this stage. Everyone around me was, but I, they didn't make me, which I was really happy about. Yeah, that would make breathing very hard. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I'm, I'm lucky in that way. During the pandemic, my husband okay. could be with me okay. and no mask. That was lucky. So you had uh, your husband on one side, your, your, your doctor that you liked a lot on the other side. Then you had the nurse you were laying down, right? That's what yes. I understood. And you had the um, midwife in front, let's say, in front of yes. you. <laughs> and um, then you had something switched in your head, you said. And then I was using, then I was like, okay, I have to actually... <laughs> I was trying before, but I wasn't using my full strength. And then after they mentioned potentially administering drugs, then I was like, no, I don't want the contractions to be forced to be stronger. I'm going to try more. It's amazing how um, the power of your mind, right? So yes. <laughs> in your head, it switched. And then you said, okay, I... I want it now <laughs> because I, I don't want any medication and it yes. worked. <laughs> yes. So you so have that made me really realize like birth is, um, yeah, it's a combination of the caregiver and the woman working together and the, they were coaching me of when to push and helping me, but yeah, it was my, my own power. I mental decision too, that I have to really try more. Mm. And also yeah. they kept telling me to open my eyes. I, don't, I guess when I was pushing, I, my eyes were closed, but they kept yelling at me to open my eyes with each push too. Really? <laughs> yeah. Was this disturbing or was it okay? Um, no, I, I haven't heard I that why. before. My reflex was to close my eyes, but they said, open your eyes, <laughs> look towards your belly button. Oh, maybe they wanted to encourage you while seeing the process or um, I'm not, your belly or they, I suppose they didn't use know. a mirror to see I'm your baby sure. coming. Oh, that was another surprise just personally. Before the actual labor, I thought like I asked the hospital if they had a mirror. I want to see everything. I want to touch the head. But when it was actually happening, I had no interest in the mirror that <laughs> desire just went out of my head I, it's it's funny muffled. how it changes right mm -hmm. <laughs> i had also prepared like all essential oils music um, for giving birth and then when i was at the birth center i my husband offered it but i didn't want any of it but just yes. having <laughs> the option felt very good because in beforehand also preparing all that and knowing i could use it if i needed it Yeah, I think it's really yeah, right. It's good to have options, but it's funny that in the moment, the things that you thought you yeah. cared about a lot, maybe you don't. You don't want that suddenly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I made the same experience. <laughs> And one okay. other nice part about um, my husband being there, like when they were asking kind of questions that weren't so important to me, I could just like turn off my Japanese listening and just be more inward and he could deal with like administrative type questions so that was nice that I could just be in my own in your own bubble uh, mind yeah. and body yeah. yeah how many pushes do you know <laughs> how many pushes or how long mm -hmm. did sure. your, just, the pushing stage was less than 10 less than 10 sessions of three pushes each time 
Okay, and then she was born, right? And she was born. It was so like sudden, and yeah, I was in shock that it it all went by quicker than I had ever imagined. Mm. Yeah, she was born. It was so shocking, but Do you remember so that amazing feeling? and wonderful. What and then I think then? they wiped her quickly, and then she went straight onto my chest, mm. um, just for a few minutes though, and then they took her to the station right beside me to check her body, weigh her. But yeah, it was incredible <laughs> and so fast. I think we were both in shock, my husband and I. Yeah. Just now talking about it, does it want you a very personal question? Do you want to experience again <laughs> that moment with another baby? <laughs> yes. As soon as she was born, I thought, oh, I can yeah. do it. I can wow. do it. I have another one. As soon as oh, she was born. amazing to hear. I thought, wow, I did it. And yeah, it wasn't as painful as I thought. Even the actual pushing, like, um, because there was no epidural, I could feel everything. And I had read about the dreaded ring of fire. Do you know this mm, term? Yeah, I have heard it too when I was uh -huh. pregnant. But when it was happening, I, I felt it happening like, okay, this pain is a little bit more like a sharp type of pain than the rest, but it wasn't so bad. Yeah, yeah so I hope that gives hope to some other women. Yeah, that's why I also said uh, it's important to uh, select the information and not to... Uh, dip too deep into the fear cycle <laughs> because then yeah. how, with you it turned out totally different well well not totally yeah. different but another sensation and maybe not as uh, painful as you expected it to be or yeah it, it wasn't so bad mm. Mm -hmm. but also like I am lucky I'm it it's my own preparation but also there's an element of chance and correct yes yes ways. yes I mean, as I said at the beginning, you never know what uh, what will happen and um, uh, you can plan your birth to every detail. Yes. So you said, okay, they um, wiped, wiped her off a little bit. They put her probably on your breast, on your skin, uh, and then they took her away again to do probably the first checkup. What yes. was the aftercare Um Did you breastfeed? Uh, um, that is uh, something that would be different in Canada. Like, I, um, in retrospect, I wish I had done like more concentrated, just skin to skin, just focusing on breastfeeding right after she was born. Like it was a bit chaotic after she's born. I want to take photos, call my mom. Uh, they kind of left us alone right after she was born, but I, I kind of wish I had just focused on breastfeeding only. Instead um, of taking pictures and calling family. Well, no, I'm crazy with photos. So of course, and of course I want to call my mom, but uh, maybe that's something that would have been a bit different. Like the, I wish I had focused on the golden hour, the first hour after birth a bit, a little bit differently. And yeah, in Japan, I think they often take the baby away to clean up and examine further after birth. So during those critical hours, there's a separation, or at least there was for me. 
Um, and my husband could only be with us for one hour after birth. Then he had to leave because of COVID, COVID yeah. protocols. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so he left the hospital. So she was born at 149. So the whole total time from my first contractions to her birth was about eight hours. Mm-hmm. And then we enjoyed an hour with her from 2 to 3 p.m. And then uh, he had to sign out. And I was shown to my room. I was uh, helped in a wheelchair to my private room. And then I was alone for, I think, a few hours digesting what had happened trying to recover and then she was brought into my room okay and did they take her away um like this few hours you just mentioned because you wanted to digest or they had no, to i think do it was just their standard procedure mm. yeah. yes that's something i heard uh, here in japan a lot too or maybe in general in hospitals like mm-hmm. um it's yeah. uh, a little bit unfortunate that they take the baby away <laughs> at the beginning um, because it's uh, yeah um, crucial also. Yeah. But at least uh, you had her like for a little bit after yeah. giving birth and then after a few hours they brought her back. And afterwards you probably, um, did they help you with uh, the breastfeeding? Was there a chance with the colostrum or... Um, yes, there were always nurses available for help, um, but my milk didn't come in for a while and almost nothing was coming out. And I hadn't um, done much nipple massage before giving birth, so that was difficult to get started. Um, but they did have staff all around. The help was so-so. Like, I think they were telling me the latch was great, but maybe it wasn't totally a great latch at the beginning what made you think so that it wasn't a good latch it was really painful at the beginning Mm. um yeah nothing was coming out and then I just let her continue and then it was causing me pain yeah I think it just took a while for us to both get used to it Mm. yeah quite. I mean it took six weeks in total but yeah, and during the hospital stay, breastfeeding was difficult for me. Yeah, yeah, I had the same concerns at the beginning. But it seems like with another baby, it will probably go very smoothly, right? I hope so, <laughs> That's what, yeah. what I hear at the second time. <laughs> um, yeah, so in the hospital, I did end up out of, like, um, I guess desperation or just kind of feeling bad watching her crying so much I did end up going to the nursing station and supplementing with formula during my hospital stay and that's something I think uh, it's not an uncommon issue in Japan that they make it so convenient to use the formula Mm, yeah on the other side um, in the uh, first 24 hours they actually don't need that much uh, milk right That's what I read in uh, uh, experts' books. (laughs) Yes, but I had just, I don't know, I just wanted to help her crying. So I kind of gave in and gave that up. Yeah, it's a very very special situation. And um, uh, then it's um, almost natural when you say, okay, 
I let the nurses do or the midwives. I follow their advice. Yes, I, yeah. So did you also stay like five days um, in the hospital afterwards? Yes. Yes, okay. I loved my hospital stay. I like didn't want to leave. <laughs> it was just so comforting to have doctors and nurses around in case I had any questions. And the food was amazing. Okay. Yeah, I really enjoyed my time in the hospital. So generally, uh, your your story is uh, very positive, Amy, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I had a great experience. The yeah. breastfeeding was the birth was easier than I thought. The breastfeeding was a lot more difficult. Yeah. What do you think? How is there anything you could have done differently for the birth or breastfeeding? Breastfeeding. Um, I should have researched more. I think, uh, like many moms, I was really obsessed with thinking about labor and delivery. Uh, maybe I wasn't focusing enough on uh, right after she's born. Mm. Yeah. yeah, same for me. On <laughs> postnatal care, yeah. I, I did, I prepared so much for giving birth and labor. And then she, my daughter was there and I like, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Finally, I reached the goal and then I didn't know <laughs> what's the, what are the next steps and oh, I was overwhelmed. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, breastfeeding, I, I hope will go smoother with my next baby. <laughs> um, Amy, thank you for walking us through your story. Is there... Are there some um, advices, I know there are so many, but some advices you would like to pass on other pregnant foreign women in Japan in this very particular situation? Um, um, yes, I would say uh, empower yourself with knowledge and educate yourself. Um, read a lot of books, don't just trust information online. Um, try to get information from local women who are maybe at the same hospital. Yeah, my friend who gave birth one month before me, it was useful for us to share information about what questions we asked and to share the answers to those questions. Um, and there are various online Facebook groups for women, international families giving birth in Japan. Um, But then on the other hand, to trust the Japanese system as well, like to educate yourself, but not be so stuck on your own notions, maybe from your home country of what birth is and how it should go. Because Japan is a great country to give birth in. The maternal and infant health rates are amazing. The mortality rates are really low and they have a really good healthcare system that I trust. Mm. Um, and I would say um, to advocate for yourself try to just sense the vibe of if you have a good relationship with the hospital and the doctor because um, that's going to help everyone to have good outcomes and to try to work in harmony with your care providers oh, what do you mean uh, in harmony like, uh, like <laughs> to build a good they, relationship or If they, if you have a preference, but they uh, won't bend to your preference, there's probably a reason. So uh, mm -hmm. trying to find a compromise 
And if you're like railing against the system, it's going to cause more friction and uh, more discord, which isn't good for the process. What you resist persists. Huh? I would say trying to yeah work with them. Mm. But I had that mindset from the beginning because I had positive medical experiences in Japan previously in Shikoku. So I came here feeling like I can trust the Japanese medical system. Right. Ah, yes. Um, Definitely. Uh, let me just look over. Yeah, harmony, cooperation. Um, oh, and also the fact that Japan is a country with very low epidural rates and good outcomes with unmedicated birth, I think is a really a positive point about giving birth here. Yeah, uh, it will. It also empowers uh, the ladies <laughs> yeah. oh, to give uh, birth mat uh, naturally. Sorry, one second. Oh, here she is. <laughs> How cute. Oh. Can you say hi? Hello. <laughs> Somebody is smiling. <laughs> Hello, yeah. we are talking about you. <laughs> She's so cute. <laughs> Happy girl. <laughs> um, Amy, thank you for all your advices. <laughs> Loved every one of them. And I do agree. I feel uh, Japan is such a good country to give birth. I even said... Um, in case my husband and I have another baby, it's just going to be here in Japan. I don't even want to give birth in another place anymore. <laughs> oh, one other thing. I don't know if it's possible, but they um, sometimes the doctor will check up on you, the one who delivered. And it was really helpful for me to talk to the midwife who delivered my baby because I was really curious. Um, and yeah, it was nice to talk to her and I told her I'm interested in home birth and she said she feels I could be capable if I'm having a healthy, normal pregnancy for my next one. So I felt really good and empowered that I could perhaps pursue home birth for my next. Uh, you mean afterwards you talked to this midwife? Yeah, a couple of days after during my hospital okay, stay. Okay. We just could talk about how the birth went. I was asking her like how her hands were positioned, trying to open my cervix and Yeah, I was just really curious about yeah. the birth experience from her side. Yeah, sounds like uh, you could also go deeper, like maybe look, uh, maybe it's a profession for you too, Amy, or it seems like you know so much yeah. about yeah. it. Yeah, actually, I was interested in pursuing midwifery. Years oh, yeah. ago. That's why I'm so interested in birth. Yeah. Oh, and also, I should have said during the labor part, um, the midwife had considered performing an episiotomy on me but my doctor who was overseeing she knew I was quite strong against that from my birth plan so she advocated for me during that time and I didn't end up having one great so great that was also like lucky that my doctor lucky but also you stressed that you don't want the episiotomy all right yeah but because Beforehand. my Pushing wasn't strong enough at the beginning. The midwife, who I didn't know until that day, she was considering mm. that. Yes. <laughs> um, and one last thing, uh, I would also suggest um, 
that women reach out to their local La Leche League breastfeeding community. Um, luckily, I was able to attend a couple online meetings before and after giving birth. And that was really helpful for breastfeeding support. Okay, yeah, La, La Leche League is uh, a very good address and uh, they are um, in quite a few areas, right? Yes. Anyways, online you can always get help. And yes. actually one last question because your one advice was to uh, reach out to other women who are uh, giving birth uh, in your hospital. Mm, was I mean, how can we get in touch with people who are at the same hospital? Uh, was it with did you get to know them just by chance or was there maybe a community in support um, of women? Well, like I said, I had chosen the hospital kind of off the recommendation of our friend. So I knew her. And then an, another mother I met um, during pregnancy and she happened to be there too. And then um, in my third trimester, I just started talking to another woman in the waiting room and we've become friends since then. Um, I think perhaps it's easier for people that are Tokyo region to find international women giving birth at the same hospital. But yeah, just kind of a few things lining up by chance. I was able to meet other women. Yeah. And also just go go to people and talk, start talking to them, them right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> like yeah. You did. I do that all the time now in playgrounds. I'm, I have no shyness yes. about talking yes, to especially think. international oh. families because... You automatically have something in common. Right, right, right. Oh, thank you, Amy, for your time and all your birth story, your advices. I, it was very unique. It was the first time I have some, somebody from Sapporo. And, um, yeah, I wonder uh, if anyone listening will be up here. <laughs> um, maybe. <laughs> yeah, if somebody's up there, can they contact you? <laughs> Sure, yeah, sure. <laughs> I think I have, uh, you also have a web page and uh, Instagram account, right? Yes. I would like yeah, to put it in the show through, notes. Yeah, my blog or Instagram. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and thank you for making this podcast. I've listened to almost every episode and I think it is going to be helpful and empowering for women who are pregnant here, for sure. Thank you so much for saying this, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> I myself received a lot of help from very nice people, so I would like to give something back yeah. <laughs> and maybe help no, somebody. Who knows? Definitely. <laughs> uh, well, I um, enjoyed very much talking to you too. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it too. It's nice to meet. <laughs> nice to meet and uh, stay in touch. And we yeah. um, will also see some parts of our interview on my webpage and uh, yeah lots of way to uh, contact and to continue <laughs> yeah thank you okay. amy you're welcome <laughs> goodbye bye, bye. cutie <laughs> thank you bye -bye. <laughs>